This is Infertile Millennial, a podcast where we chat all things infertility, IVF, and surviving your fertility journey. I'm Emily Orlando, reminding you that you're not alone. Let's chat fertility. Welcome back to the Infertile Millennial podcast. You guys, I know I took a huge hiatus from the podcast, but I'm super excited to share that we are officially relaunching the podcast. And what better time than the anniversary of when the podcast originally came out? If you guys have been listening to the podcast from the beginning, you will know that when I first started this podcast, I started it back in April of 2020, and it was a way for me to process my grief and all of the healing that I needed to do from my miscarriage after two rounds of IVF. So I feel like it is only fit to relaunch the podcast and we are going full force at it this time. You can expect a new episode every Friday. And with that being said, I am doing what I set out to do with this podcast and that is to interview women who want to just share their story, share their journey so that someone somewhere out there can relate to what they went through. So that being with infertility, with pregnancy loss and everything in between. So I'm really excited. If you would like to be a part of the Infertile Millennial podcast and you would like to be a guest on our podcast, you can email me at emily at infertilemillennial.com. Before we get into today's podcast, I am going to be answering your questions that you left me on my last Q&A at the very end of this episode, so make sure to stick around till then to see if your question was answered. I try to get to all of them as much as possible, but if not, we will always try to get them in the next episode. So if you would like to be a part of the next podcast Q&A, then you can head over to my Instagram account at Emily Orlando, E-M-I-L-Y-Y, or my brand page at Infertile Millennial on Instagram. And a lot of the time I will be in my stories and I will be doing some Q&As in there. I will leave you the option to leave me a question or you can always dm me a random question about infertility miscarriage or my journey and i'm happy to answer that for you so again if you'd like to be a part of next episode's q a make sure to head over to my page at emily orlando that's e-m-i-l-y-y orlando like florida and my brand page at infertile millennial All right, so today's episode is going to be all about miscarriage, and the reason for that is because this podcast has pretty much come full circle, being that a year ago I miscarried, and this week actually was the anniversary of our miscarriage. This was the one and only miscarriage we've had and the one and only pregnancy we've had after five and a half years of trying at the time and two rounds of IVF. So if you guys have been following me for a while, you are very aware of what my journey has been thus far, but taking time today to reflect on all of the growth and the healing that I've done has been really refreshing, a little bit emotional just to see how far I've come. I'll be the first to admit that I personally didn't think that I was strong enough to make it through the emotional pain of that regardless of the physical pain that also comes along with it. And to look back and see how far I've come and what I've done, it just feels really, really good. And that could not have happened without the support of all of you, all of you who have supported my brand Infertile Millennial. Infertile Millennial is so much more than just me. Infertile Millennial is 
all of you, all of you who have struggled with infertility or miscarriage. This is a platform for you guys to feel heard, for you guys to share your stories and for you to feel less alone. So that is what this means to me. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting my journey and hopefully supporting others' journeys as well as we share them throughout the podcast each week. This podcast episode is not only going to help you feel less alone, but I think this is going to be a really good podcast to share with people around you who may not understand what you've been through when it comes to having a miscarriage. Because today's episode, we are going to be focusing on how to support a friend during their miscarriage and what not to say to somebody who's miscarried and what to say instead. So the very first thing we're going to start with is what not to say to somebody who's miscarried. So the first thing that I would tell you is to stay away from anything that includes toxic positivity. If you've never heard of toxic positivity, what it basically is, is making a statement that ends up minimizing or invalidating someone's struggles. So when someone miscarries, telling them that they can always try again, while you might be trying to look on the brighter side, what you're doing is minimizing and invalidating the current law they're struggling with. So let's get into what some of my top things are that you shouldn't say to somebody who's miscarried. So the first thing is one that I think a lot of people say, and that is miscarriage happens to a lot of people. It's not a big deal. Miscarriage is said to happen in about one in four pregnancies. So the odds that you know someone, whether they have discussed those intimate details with you are not, are high. So while millions of people have experienced miscarriage, that doesn't make it any less traumatic no matter how far along they were. So it's never okay to invalidate somebody's loss just because it's happened to a lot of people or they weren't that far along. Think of it this way. Death happens to 100% of people, yet we never respond to someone grieving with that type of loss with, it happens a lot, it's not a big deal. Because at the end of the day, grief is the emotional response to a loss. Some of us grieve after losing a loved one, some after losing a job, and some after a breakup. Pregnancy loss is no different. Pregnancy loss also involves a great deal of grief. A loss is a loss. It's never okay to invalidate someone's grief. And I will tell you this, I will preach this to you all the time, that you are allowed to take as much time as you need to grieve your miscarriage. And nobody can tell you that you're taking too long or not enough time or that you're being too emotional because nobody can decide how you feel except for yourself. So instead of saying it's not a big deal and it happens to a lot of people, what you can say is, I'm so sorry you're going through this. This must be so difficult for you and leave it at that. And we'll get into a few more things on what else you can do once we get through the things you shouldn't say. So number two goes along with what we said above, and that is you should be over it by now. Here is the thing that I want you to understand if you're miscarrying. Grief has no timeline. And what I've come to realize through this grieving process over the past year is that not only does grief not have a timeline, but it's not linear and it comes in waves. So you, you know, might have less bad days in a row and you might have like weeks or months in a row where you're feeling really good and you feel like you've healed and then boom, one day you're waking up and you're like, why do I feel like I have this? big, cloudy, stormy haze over me. And that's grief because grief 
will show up when it wants to show up. When we haven't worked our way through our loss and healed all the way, it's going to keep surfacing. So grief has no timeline. So no one should ever say you should be over it by now. We as human beings cannot control what emotions surface after traumatic events or during grieving processes. You can't create those emotions. You can understand, oh, I'm feeling happy. But even as humans, it's hard for us to sometimes acknowledge that I'm really angry right now and it's probably because of my miscarriage. Or I'm really sad right now and I don't understand. I miscarried weeks ago. I should be over it by now. But the truth is that there's no timeline. Some women might take a few days to grieve and then they're better. And some weeks, some years, but that's okay. So just because it took you three weeks to grieve your miscarriage doesn't mean that another woman can't take three years or a lifetime. Everybody is different and we all experience our emotions differently. We all walk different paths and journeys to achieve pregnancy. So just because it was easy for one person to heal from doesn't mean someone who took longer is too sensitive or emotional. They are simply grieving. You cannot determine the level of someone else's grief. You can only determine your own. So instead of telling someone, you should be over it by now, tell them, take all the time you need to grieve and be as kind to yourself as possible. This next one is one that um, was actually said to me quite a bit online and it really rubbed me the wrong way and I tried to be an advocate as much as possible on why you shouldn't say this. So that is, you can always try again. Under no circumstance should you ever tell someone, that they can always try again. Because number one, right off the bat, you're not validating that they're grieving or that they lost something. But most importantly, you are assuming that it's easy for them to just quote unquote get pregnant. Not only does this completely invalidate their loss after miscarriage and minimize their grief, but it is not always as simple as just trying again. As I stated above, we all walk different paths when it comes to getting pregnant. And while some couples find it easy to just try again and get pregnant, one in eight couples struggle with infertility. That's millions of people per year. And even if you don't know what someone's path was or how what it took to them to get pregnant, it's very possible that it wasn't that easy for them. And not to mention, they're still lost a baby. Telling a couple that it's easy to try again is extremely insensitive to their fertility journey. Many couples spend thousands of dollars and commit months or even years to fertility treatments that are extremely emotionally and physically exhausting. And I can 100% be included in that category. I'm on my second, almost third year of fertility treatments, and I'm just now starting a third round because it takes us time. We can't just hop back in the wagon and like do another round of IVF after miscarrying. It took me an entire year to finally feel like, you know what? Yeah, I do want to try again. I didn't think I would want to. It wasn't that easy for me because not only can we not have a baby without medical intervention, but there's a lot of psychological and emotional stuff we have to work through after miscarriage. So my point is, you may not know what it took for that couple to become pregnant in the first place, and they may not ever get the chance again. The other reason you should never say this to someone is that the ultimate goal in getting pregnant is not just to get pregnant again, but to stay pregnant. So just because it may become easy for someone to get pregnant doesn't mean their next pregnancy will deliver a healthy baby. 
There is no point in getting pregnant if you are continuously miscarrying. If someone struggles with recurrent miscarriages, you're just minimizing their pain for each loss that they go through. So instead of saying, you can always try again, you can say, I know I don't understand, but I'm so sorry you're going through this. And it's as easy as that. This next one was probably the most commonly quoted one that was, uh, at least for my fertility journey, not so much for my miscarriage, but I'm sure it came through at one point, which is everything happens for a reason. If this is something you wholeheartedly believe, that is 100% okay. But I would never say that to somebody who is grieving. Would you say this to someone grieving the loss of a close friend or relative? I really hope not. Why is miscarriage any different? They are both grief. Not only does this statement minimize the intensity of their grief, but you're not even acknowledging their loss and you're taking away from their very real pain. So instead of saying everything happens for a reason, ask, is there anything I can do to help you during this difficult time? Statement number five I would avoid saying to somebody who miscarried is, you weren't that far along, it's hardly a loss. Most people love their baby from the moment they learn they are pregnant. And some even during their IVF cycle, the moment they see their embryos, I can tell you wholeheartedly that when I saw my embryos each time, I fell in love with them and I grieved over them when I you know, was miscarrying or even when my first IVF cycle didn't take at all. I was so upset because I knew there were embryos inside of me that had to eventually leave my body and that was really upsetting for me. So it doesn't matter how far along someone was because the emotional side effects of losing a pregnancy are very strong. I lost my first pregnancy after almost six years of trying at six weeks pregnant and it's taking me a full year to grieve. And I probably still haven't fully grieved yet, I'll be honest. I still have trouble sometimes talking to like total strangers about my journey. I never got to see a heartbeat, and yet that loss rocked me to my core. Some days are still hard for me one year later, but that's grief and all I can do is try to continue to heal. It's not about how far along someone was, it's about the fact that they are grieving, that they will never get to meet their baby, and they're grieving basically what could have been. I would never encourage you to minimize the bond that someone has formed with their baby because at the end of the day, all they're doing is grieving and they cannot control that there is grief coming through. So instead of saying you weren't that far along, just say, I'm sorry for your loss, take as much time as you need to grieve. And finally, one of my most important things that I cannot stress enough is to never say, maybe it's something you did or anything along the lines of, well, could it have been this? Or do you think maybe you did too much of this or not enough this? Because it is never okay to blame someone for their miscarriage. Miscarriage happens for a variety of reasons. And the biggest being a problem with the chromosomes within the embryo, making it impossible for a fetus to develop naturally. While it is possible for something to go wrong due to something with the mother, you should never under any circumstance cast blame. Women are already struggling with guilt and shame after miscarrying. I can tell you, I will be so honest with you. I was so hard on myself. I was so mean to my body. I thought I was mad at my body for a very long time. It took me months to realize that I actually needed to show the my body the love that it has shown me for the past 26, almost 27 years of my life. They go through 
a time where they're so disconnected from their bodies and they feel disgusted and hatred towards themselves. It is very common for women to feel that. So if you're feeling that, I want you to understand what you're feeling is normal, but I also want you to understand that it is not your fault and that I highly encourage you to love yourself, love your body, and be so gentle and kind with yourself if you're experiencing guilt from miscarriage. It's important to uplift women during this very difficult time and only surround them with words of love and kindness. If you cannot do that, remove yourself. This is not the time to cast blame. So instead of casting blame, the best thing you can do, especially if somebody is feeling guilt or shame, say there is nothing you could have done to prevent this. Be gentle with yourself. It is not your fault. So moving forward with how do you support somebody who's going through a miscarriage? I get asked this question all the time. They're like, I know I should say things that are supportive and not toxic positivity or anything like that, but what can I do to support them? So number one, we kind of already discussed, which is basically acknowledging their loss, not using anything to invalidate or minimize their loss, only acknowledging their loss. So just say, I'm sorry for your loss. Number two is be a shoulder to cry on. So a wonderful way to be more supportive is to offer them a shoulder to cry on and someone to talk to. Tell them that you're always there if they need someone to vent or just listen. And when I say vent and just listen, I mean vent and just listen because if you've never experienced a miscarriage, you can't give advice because you can't give advice to something that you've never experienced. Something that really helped me after miscarrying was being able to share my story over and over again until talking about it no longer brought tears to my eyes. There is something so therapeutic about walking through the pain to be able to fully process it. So just being there to listen to whatever they want to talk about without judgment is super helpful. But I wouldn't get pushy. If they don't want to talk about the miscarriage or walk through it with you, don't force that on them. This all has to come naturally. Offering a shoulder to cry on or someone to vent to or, you know, anything like that is super helpful. So maybe they'll want to talk about it. Maybe they won't. But either way, respect their feelings and just offer your support. Number three, this is taking it a step further. But again, I can't stress how important this third step is, which is do something kind. So kindness means you really did not have to do that, but you did that. And I'm so grateful for that. Grief after miscarriage makes daily tasks much more difficult. A great way to be supportive to someone who's recently miscarried is to do something nice for them. After I miscarried, I found it extremely difficult to do simple household tasks like doing laundry or going grocery shopping and especially cooking dinner. I can actually tell you an example of one night when I tried to cook dinner the week I miscarried. I got so frazzled with everything that I threw the spatula across the room and I went upstairs with everything still cooking on the stove. I was so, I just couldn't handle the stress of a basic task. And honestly, I really shouldn't have even tried. I I knew I wasn't in the headspace to cook dinner, but I wanted, I thought that I should be doing these things because I typically do and, and I shouldn't be crying every day in bed. But honestly, if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. So I was a complete wreck and I could not function. And one night my mom offered to bring my husband and I dinner and I had no idea how badly I needed the help until I received it. It's so important to ask if there's anything you can do to make their day easier in case they have something specific in mind. Because yes, you can just go out of your way and do a basic task for them, but it's also really helpful to ask like, hey, is there anything I can do to like make your day easier? 
And if there's not something specific, I have a few lists um, or ideas to help you. So um, making them dinners for the week, whether they are frozen or I don't know, anything like that. Like even just one dinner is helpful. Grabbing them a gift card to their favorite takeout place so that they don't have to worry about cooking. Ordering and picking up takeout for them. Offering to grocery shop for them. Offering to help with household chores like laundry, things like that. Offering to help with other children or pets that they have. Offering to run errands for them. Those are all so helpful for somebody who's grieving. And then number four kind of goes along with that, but it's slightly different. And that's send something to brighten their day. So we can all agree that grief is not a fun process and it surrounds us with a lot of darkness. Doing something to brighten their day and make them feel loved can be so helpful. While I miscarried, I was grateful to have loved ones send cards and flowers and jewelry and more. And it's just a beautiful way to tell someone, I care and I'm acknowledging your loss and here's something to brighten your day. So a few other ideas that you can do is buy them flowers, get them a gift card for a date night, grab a coffee from their favorite coffee shop, get them a gift card for a massage or to get a pedicure or a manicure, write them a thoughtful card, give them a gift basket with cozy feel-good goodies like candles and blankets and fuzzy socks and things like that, or get them a meaningful piece of jewelry. Just anything that might brighten their day to show you, I'm listening and I see you and I hear you and I'm sorry. And then finally, without a doubt, this is one that I think a lot of people forget about or don't do, and I can't stress it enough as somebody who's gone through miscarriage. One of the most important pieces of advice I can offer to you when trying to support someone after miscarriage is to check in on them. Because the sad truth about loss is that others around you will quickly move on and move forward from your loss, but you're still grieving it for weeks, months, and maybe even years. Check in on your friend or loved one after their loss. Multiple times. I mean, not annoying so that you're constantly reminding them of their loss, but if you're aware of certain anniversaries or they happen to mention it, check in on them and ask them how they're doing. It makes them feel like you care, and sometimes they just need that little extra piece of support. Ask them how they're doing, and once again, if there's anything you can do to help, unless communicated otherwise that they no longer wish to talk about it, that's a boundary they might set, and just be fine with that. While you might think that they should be finished grieving, ultimately you can't decide their level of grief. So it's important to allow them to grieve as long as they need to and offer your support for as long as they need it. All right, you guys, so we have officially made it to the Q&A section of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. And now I'm going to be answering your questions for me about everything infertility. So the first question that came through is how do you handle unsupportive friends? And this is a very good topic. Now I'm going to be very honest with you. We've actually been very lucky and haven't had to deal with many unsupportive friends. But what does come to mind is that we did have a friend who was more so my husband's friend, but I mean, I'm just going to call it our friend who didn't acknowledge our miscarriage and when I did bring up the miscarriage in front of this person they were very dismissive and cold and that's ultimately what made us decide not to be friends with said person again although I will say it was a very long time waiting Uh, this person wasn't a very supportive person in general and a little bit toxic to be around if you ask me so we did decide to cut ties because 
of the unsupportiveness of a miscarriage, I feel like when a huge life event happens to a friend, no matter what it is, it is important to acknowledge that loss or at least show some type of compassion or empathy and they were just completely cold and dismissive. So I wouldn't recommend cutting someone out like that, especially if you feel like you're pretty good friends aside from the fertility. So what my best recommendation would be is to communicate how you're feeling. So sit them down and say, hey, you know, like, I love you. You're a great friend, but I just feel as though you're not being very supportive to this journey. And I don't know, just talk to them and communicate is key. I wouldn't cut someone out permanently unless you truly feel like there's been a long line of unsupportedness or just hostility between the two of you. I wouldn't recommend what we did, but like I said, a long time coming for that friend. So next question, how do you deal with feeling left out from friends who got pregnant? So again, with us, we have been pretty lucky that not a lot of our friends have even like gotten married and had kids yet. We're 26. We got married very young at 20. So not a lot of people were having kids. And even the friends who did have kids when we were in our early, early 20s, we weren't really serious, serious about trying it. Like we were still kind of like seeing what happens for a few years. Um, Cause I'm not sure if I mentioned to you guys that we didn't even decide to do IVF until we were 25. So we spent five years of trying naturally. I won't lie. You know, the people who did get pregnant before us, before we were taking it seriously, that did cut me deep a little. Cause it was like, oh man, like this person's getting pregnant and it seems so easy and that person and that person. But it was never that difficult for me in the beginning. And truthfully, right now, I don't even really have any friends who are trying to conceive, so I haven't really had to deal with that. It, it always seems like it's just some random person on Facebook who I barely know, like their pregnancies bother me. Um, and then, of course, right now, we've got closer family members who are pregnant, and I will say that's hard. I totally understand uh, how you're feeling. And I wouldn't necessarily say I feel left out, but there's definitely a sadness that comes with seeing someone else live the dream that you want. And so I have a lot of ways to cope with infertility on my blog, on infertilemillennial.com in my blog, there is a blog post on how to cope with infertility. Those are my tools for coping with especially my triggers of dealing with infertility and seeing other people's pregnancy announcements. So hopefully that was helpful for you. Next question is, have you dealt with anxiety stemming from infertility? This is a really great question. Yes, I did. I struggled with anxiety from 2016 till I want to even say even last year, even 2020. It, it's, it was a long time coming and I didn't realize my anxiety was stemming from my infertility until I sought out a counselor. And then I realized, oh my gosh, all of these feelings, everything I've been, all these emotions, all this stuff I've been going through has come from infertility and so one of my biggest tips of advice for dealing with anxiety through infertility is to practice mindfulness and if you're not familiar with mindfulness it's living each moment of your life in the present moment because if you think about it the future is not certain all we have is the moment right now and that's something that's taken me a long time to realize and once you get more comfortable with all I have is this moment right now. I don't I, I I can't worry about the future 
because there is no future. And most of the time when we worry about the future, it doesn't even happen the way we think it's going to. If you're like me, that's happened a lot, especially with anxiety. So what I've come to learn is to live in the present moment. And it's not easy. It's kind of like exercise. We can't just run a marathon. We have to train for it. And so kind of mindfulness is a lot like that. You have to practice it daily and eventually you're just going to be so chill and be like, hey, yeah, living in the present. I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it every day and it's definitely helped my anxiety of all I have is this present moment. So let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy the sense around me, the things I see, the things I feel and we'll and you know what is right now is right now. Um, Other things that you can do to help with anxiety, at least this is what's helped for me, is to do yoga. I found that connecting with my breath and my body every day has been very therapeutic and it just is a way to kind of disconnect from the world and reconnect with myself. And then meditating is great, but again, that's kind of like exercise where you have to work your way up to longer meditation styles, but there are guided meditations, especially for anxiety, out on YouTube. Tons of them. If you search them, you'll probably find when you love and journaling is probably up there as well because journaling allows you to just get everything on your mind out on paper and it's released from your thoughts and it just feels like a weight is lifted all right next question how do you stay in such high spirits and i'm going to tell you right now i do not always stay in high spirits I have my lows too, just as I have my highs, and I don't always show the world my lows. You know, I have some days that just really break me, and it's hard. And the reason you don't see those lows is because, you know, my first thought isn't to grab a mic or a camera and show it to you. It's my first thought is I want to curl in a ball and fall asleep. You know, I I don't, I have bad days, you know, and, um, but I think again, what helps me stay in higher spirits is what I mentioned previously of trying to live in the present moment and enjoy the life that is in front of me right now. And then focusing on my wellness. So making my wellness routine and some self-care a part of my daily routine has been very helpful because As we go through our fertility treatments, I think we kind of put ourselves on the back burner and then it's like, here's my body, let's experiment with it. And you kind of like lose a sense of yourself while you're doing all of that. So what I've learned is putting your wellness first and putting some self-care first is really important. And then on top of that, I feel like I have a really great support system. So that helps me stay in higher spirits. So I think finding a good support system, whether it's online in a group chat with a bunch of people who you don't know, or it's your husband or your mom or your sister, anything like that, finding somebody who's just truly genuine supportive has been really helpful. And then finally, how do you practice self-care when you feel unworthy? Um, So... That's a really great question. I think number one is I practice self-care every day. So I kind of do it based on how I'm feeling. And we all practice self-care differently. Self-care looks different for everyone. So on a day where I don't feel worthy, I would say like, and when I mean that, I guess like on my really low days, I'll be like, okay, what makes me really happy? So like, I'm gonna do one of my hobbies today and the world can wait, you know? Or I'm going to go get my favorite coffee at Starbucks because I deserve it. Or because I'm feeling down and I know it makes me happier. Okay, today I'm going to make my favorite meal for dinner. Something like that. 
or listen to, you know, watch a TV show that I love because it makes me feel more comfortable, you know, things like that. But then daily, I really do try. I think it's important, like I mentioned in the question before, to remember to show yourself love throughout your journey because oftentimes we just become so disconnected from ourselves that we forget that we're a human being who deserves to show ourselves love. So I think it's important to not only just show yourself love on days when you don't feel worthy, but to show yourself love every day, to have a plan every day for, okay, you know, today I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to call a friend, you know, or I'm going to do positive affirmations. And then again, another idea for when you feel really sad, going back to journaling. If you're feeling really unworthy or really emotional, write it down on paper the moment you feel it and just like let yourself feel every emotion. I think that's so important to release your emotions, to acknowledge them, let them pass and release them and you'll feel better. And then end that session with some positive affirmations to repeat to yourself. I also have a positive affirmation blog post on infertilemillennial.com. I've got things to remember on your fertility journey. I highly recommend reading my blog. I've got so many great supportive blog posts on there for those of you guys experiencing infertility and everything around it. So that concludes today's episode. Thank you guys so much for supporting and listening along. Don't forget to subscribe to my blog infernalmillennial.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on Instagram. My personal page is at Emily Orlando. It's E-M-I-L-Y-Y Orlando, like Florida, and my brand page at Infertile Millennial. Once again, thank you guys so much for the support, and I will see you next Friday.